Thank you for joining me on the 100th episode of the Eric Allen Show. I'm so pumped for this episode because it's such a powerful episode. Features a good friend of mine, Jim the Rookie Morris. I first talked to him in June of last year, and it has just been an honor to have him on my show. It's been an honor to know him and get to know him more over the last year. He's such a great guy, and he is changing lives with his book, with his speaking engagements, with his story. You need to go get his book, Dream Makers, right now. But this episode, super powerful. Thank you for checking it out. Because dream killers come in all shapes and forms. Mm. And they weave their way in. They can either be a family member, someone in a position that's supposed to be there to help you, like my guidance counselor in high school, or even someone we work for. And we're trying to make them look better, but they're trying to tear us down because they don't want us there. Our philosophies are different. Our faith doesn't line up. Whatever the situation is, you keep the dream killers as far away from you as possible because they want to see you fail for one of two reasons. They've either tried something and failed at it or they're too afraid to try. So if they can drag you down where they are, they feel better about where it is they are. Get those people away from you. And I've had people go, but what if you work with these people? Keep them as far away from you as possible. You only talk to them when you have to and then you go back to your team of dream makers and get busy and get after it. Hey, quick shout out to our primary sponsor for this episode. It is Peter Harrett. He's the author of The Rings of Hesseron, and here's an excerpt from his book. Check it out. The steadily intensifying rumble echoed through the river valley. Pierce stared in that direction, but the sound offered not a single clue to its source or the cause. Lauren, his wife, and their three children joined him on the high bank, all searching the murky sky as one. A mixture of wonder and dread of the unknown filled their hearts. As it neared the ground, the sound grew exponentially, roaring, snapping, popping, and shaking the bones of the small group of onlookers. Then the low-hanging clouds started glowing, radiating yellow light on the snow-covered grasslands. To the family, it seemed as if the sun was falling to earth. They watched in horror as a fireball broke through the glowing clouds and streaked to the ground. As it struck, the object threw up a frightening plume of earth and snow, followed by a deafening boom. The concussion wave that followed sent them reeling. Their world shook violently, and snow fell from the trees around them as they struggled for balance. Jim, you're a former baseball player, motivational speaker. The movie The Rookies, based off your life and your new book, Dream Makers, is out right now. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Glad to be back on your show. Yeah, we spoke originally back in June of 2020. Such an impactful show. A lot of people gave me great feedback about that show, so it's awesome to, to speak with you again. This book, Dream Makers, Surround Yourself with the Best to Be Your Best, recently came out. Dennis Quaid did the foreword. You know, in... What do you mean by surround yourself with the best to be your best? Because I love that. I believe in that. But maybe there's some folks that haven't heard that before. You know, whether you're in business or whether it's your family, there are people who want to build you up and there are people who want to tear you down. The dream makers, the people we want on our team. Yeah. And our team could be in our household. Our team could be in our business. Our team could be in whatever kind of deal. If you play softball in a city league, you don't want to play with a bunch of people who don't want to put in the effort or respect what they're doing. You want the best people around you because when you have the best people around you, you're going to rise up to the occasion and not lower your standards. And that's what I mean by dream makers, people who are going to make you better. Yeah. 
Oh, so good, man. I mean, writing a book, it's no easy task. It takes a lot of work, a lot of edits, a lot of sacrifice. You know, what was the why behind you putting this book out? For 20 years, now 22 years speaking, when we do question and answer sessions and speeches, the most asked question was, we love the movie. We love Dennis. He did a great job. What's happened since? And what's happened since, and you've read it, is a lot. Yeah. And for 20 years, I couldn't find an inning. And the ending, I actually got two, and God gave them to me. One was in rehab, and then one was with my faith. And he goes, if you want an ending, I'll give you something to end with. And he did, man. And for 20 years, I tried to do it. When I turned it over to him, he gave me two, and here we go. Yeah. And But when you go through life, you get caught up in it a lot. Since I quit baseball, okay, 2001, when I quit with the Dodgers, I went from LA at Chavez Ravine in pre-spring training, throwing 98 miles an hour, putting it wherever I wanted to, hitting and fielding and everything else. In five days, I went from LA through Texas to see my kids to Florida where the Dodgers still had spring training. And something happened in five days and I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't even play catch. A guy would throw the ball back at me and I couldn't judge it. And I'm like, what's going on? We did bunning drills. You catch the ball with the bat. And I couldn't even do that. I taught that. Wow. I'm like, what has happened? If a guy hits the ball back at me as harder, harder than I throw it up there, I can't get out of the way of it. And that started a whole 20 year process of 70 surgeries now is, I mean, just, and you three and a half surgeries a year. You're either on opiates before, during, or after to feel better. And when you still hurt, you add your own concoction because, you know, I'm the best doctor. So I added vodka to mine. Sure. And, and you don't, you start isolating yourself. When you isolate yourself, you're going to go down quick. And I could never put my finger on why I couldn't get out of the hole I was in. Parkinson's diagnosis, the pills they give me, they work a little bit and I feel better physically on the outside on the inside those pills made my stomach stop functioning gave me gastroparesis and that's when your stomach stops working and everything just sits there and so i had bypass surgery to fix that and then i had implants put in my brain uh, for the parkinson's and then we go at it and the, the electrodes worked great and still having all the stomach surgeries like i had 10 in 2019 Oh my gosh. Stomach surgeries because everything, my guts didn't like the way they were rerouted. And so they kept giving me internal hernias and I kept having to do things. But back in 2016, I got to a point where I don't even remember the week of Christmas, how I talked to my kids, how I talked to my wife, how I treated everybody. I isolated myself. The doctor prescribed, one doctor prescribed me anti-anxiety medicine, right? And so I'm on opiates, I'm drinking alcohol, didn't tell them about the opiates or the alcohol. And so I just put the anti-anxiety medicine in my box when I take my pills. The thing was, was I was taking two of those when I should have had one. And so I just, I blacked out. I was a walking blackout. I find myself two days after Christmas in rehab. And I'll tell you what, when you're 52 years old and <laughs> You find yourself doing naked jumping jack to see if any drugs fall out of your body. Um, you immediately sober up. 
and all the stuff that went downhill, God goes, you know what? We're going to stop right now. I'm calling timeout. You're going to go to rehab and we're going to fix this. Hmm. And first time in my life, I didn't have a wife to worry about. I didn't have kids to worry about. I had all of the bad things that happened in my past, my father, certain coaches I had, certain people I worked for who were the dream killers. They wanted to see me fail. And so they did everything they could to see me fail. I had all those ghosts to chase out of my system and God gave me that opportunity. And we had a counselor there who was a pastor. He pulls me into his office and this guy has been to every major league park in the country, has stuff all over his office from every park, all his mementos. He sits me down, he goes, great movie. Why are you here? <laughs> and I said, I, I lost my way. He goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I know Jesus is beside me the whole time. It's my co-pilot. He goes, if Jesus is in a vehicle with you, why is he the co-pilot? And for some reason that just struck me and it flipped a switch. And five years, no alcohol. Don't even think about it. Don't take opiates when I have a surgery now and take aspirin, that's it. And it cleared my head out enough for me to go, get your head out of you know where and let's get busy. You're out there talking to everybody in the country. I was never missing speeches. In between the speeches, I was a wreck. Hmm. And you know, getting headaches from the Parkinson's, my neck would lock up and then I would get a headache and it would start January 1st, you get a headache. And you don't go, I'm gonna take two aspirin and it's gone. This was January 1st headache, June, it may let up. And wow. you're like, oh, this is what it feels like not to have a headache. And then a week later, your neck locks up and you get a headache and you haven't done one for another four months. And so they tried everything, Botox and everything and nothing worked. And you get desperate. And when you get desperate, like this past year in 2020, a lot of people have gotten desperate and they don't know what to do and their angers come to the surface. And now we've created this divide in the country. Our whole country needs social rehab right now. Yep. We need to learn how to treat each other again. And we need to start being Americans because everybody's going to try to tear us down right now. They see the divide and they're feeding into it and they're going to make it as divisive as possible. And it's going to be people like you and me and everybody else who are not in Washington, D.C. going, you know what? Enough's enough. Let's treat each other with kindness and grace because everybody makes mistakes. We're not immune to it. Yep. Only one perfect person ever walked this planet and we're not it. Yep. So all of that's in the book, <clears throat> along with my humor and, you know, deadpanning stuff and making fun of myself. And I don't make fun of other people. I make fun of me. I've done enough stupid stuff in my life. I could probably talk for six hours. Sure. Yeah, me too. <laughs> One of the things though I like about your your book though, because I love the the game of baseball. I'm a huge fan. My son is starting to, you know, really love the game. And all like my memories of around baseball have started like as early as I can remember. And one of the things you mentioned in this book is that you believe baseball really coincides, or excuse me, you believe life really coincides with baseball. Can you deep dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. Baseball is a chess match. Yeah. Just like life is. And right now we've got a whole group of people, I won't say what age these 20 to 30 year old people are who want everything given to them. Yeah. And they don't know what work is. I want to be a baseball player. I should, I deserve to be a major league baseball player. I deserve to go to an MMA match and get in the ring right now. And because they got a social following, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you deserve that. They've not worked for it. They haven't sweat blood and tears and guts 
all over everything, trying to make themselves the best they possibly could. They just want it because they want it. And that's not how it works, man. Only the best get to rise to that level. And it doesn't, it takes years of learning and processing and learning and failing to find out what success actually means. Yeah. And nobody's going to give you anything. If anybody says they want to give you something, you better look at what that's going to cost you in the end. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I was, I'm laughing because one of the things you mentioned in this book is like, you're a great football player and a great baseball player. And after a speaking engagement, this guy walks up to you and he says, Hey man, I was your agent in college. Why didn't you return that phone call when the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted you in the second round? And you're like, what? Like, what? that's probably funny now, but at the moment you were probably like, what the heck's going on? Like what's going through your mind yeah. in that moment? That was about two years after the movie came out. And okay. I was in Corpus Christi. It was a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Reed Ryan, Nolan's son, was there because they were bringing a double A team to Corpus. And so he and I and this other guy, and I'm not trying to be politically incorrect, we're the only three white human beings there. <laughs> and after the speech, everybody gets their autographs, takes pictures, they leave. And this guy comes up to me that was in the back and he goes, Do you remember me? And I said, uh, sir, I've met a lot of people in the last few years. He goes, I was your football agent when you were at Angelo State. And I go, wow. He lost like 100 pounds. And I'm like, you look fantastic. I said, do you still work with your daughter? He said, yes, I do. And when we heard you were coming to Corpus, we got your game films out and we watched them. And we came here to ask you a question. I said, ask me whatever you want. He said, 92 and the Steelers were going to draft you in the second round. Why did you not call back? And I said, what are you talking about? They called and wanted you to play and you had 20 minutes to call back. You didn't call back, why? And I said, I didn't get the phone call. And I didn't say it in the book and I'm not saying it now who it was, but it was someone who was supposed to be on my team and they were not. And for 30 seconds, I was the maddest human being on the planet. Sure. And then I called my wife, Shauna, and I, she goes, well, how do you feel about that? And I said, at first, extremely angry and hateful. And I said, and then I went, I wouldn't be where I am now if I would have been that person. I would have been in the same situation I was in. I'd have been playing NFL, yes. But I would have been in the same situation I was then. And now I'm married to someone I love dearly who God would have chosen for me in the beginning if I would have done things like I was supposed to. All five of our kids, my three and her two, they're our five. We raised them all. They're happy, healthy kids. Not that I agree with everything they believe right now, but that's what they're being sold as a bill of goods. But those kids wouldn't have been ours to raise in a loving household where two people were on the same team raising kids. And things happen. Yep. You know, if I'd have been an NFL player, I never would have got that next shot from a group of high school kids to go out and play major league baseball movie doesn't happen. Dennis Quaid doesn't play me and make me look good for forever and ever. And <laughs> life would have been totally different. And I love the life I have now. Yeah. One of the coolest moments for me personally, reading your book while reading your book, it was, it was when you talked about July 26, 2018, and you woke up to some sounds at 3.11 a.m. Can, can you walk me through that moment, man? Because that whole like section of your book, 
I like had chills on the back of my neck going, Oh my gosh, what's happening next? Yeah. You know? And for, for 50% of the people and 50% are going to go, that's awesome. 50% are going to go, whatever. Right. But at three eleven AM I wake up and I hear this scratching sound. I'm like, what is that? My dog's looking at me and he's all ready to go. He's got my backside. He's got my six. Cause he's right behind me. Yeah. And we go out and look around the house. Nothing's there. Don't hear it again. Go back to bed. Two minutes later happens again. I'm like, no way, dude. So I live in Texas. What do you do? You get your gun. I got my gun and my dog still got my backside because he doesn't want any part of it. And his hair's all raised up on his neck. And I'm like, he definitely heard this. We look around the house, nothing. We go outside. All I can figure out was that our tin roof that we had, something was scratching it, but I didn't get it. And I didn't see anything. Got my flashlight, my gun, and my dog. Here we go. Nothing. Go back to bed. 12 hours later, 3.11 p.m., my wife's taking a nap. She didn't feel great. Sitting in my chair in between sets, doing weights. My dog's out there with me. And I just hear this voice going, you're healed. And I'm like, somebody's messing with me. I get up, I go around the corner to see if my friends are messing with me. And all my friends that I have around me now are all huge faith people. And I'm like, this is something they would pull and, and make me think it came from somewhere else. And then it was more voices. You were healed, you're healed. And then it turned into this one voice that I can't even explain to you the comfort and warmth I had from this voice. And he said, you are healed. I went into the house to see if she was up. The door was still shut, the bedroom. I got my DBS thing that I used to either up or down the implants in my brain and I turned it off. I, for the first time in probably seven or eight years, I closed my eyes and did a complete circle with my eyes closed, which I've not been able to do. I would fall down. No tremor. I can smell. I can taste. My wife comes out of the bedroom as I'm doing this. She said, what are you doing turning circles with your eyes closed for? I said, I turned my, my deep brain stimulator battery off. She goes, you did what? I said, yeah, watch. And I did it again. And she goes, what is happening? And I said, I told her the story. And before I came in, after that warm voice said something, and said, you were healed. I walked out and my yard has feathers all over the yard. And I'm like, come outside and look, feathers are gone. And my best figure was 3 a.m. call was going, something good's gonna happen. And it was an angel, that's all I can figure out. Mm. And then the angels were there before the, the warm voice came to me and then I was healed, man. Go to the doctor, my person in charge of my deep brain stimulator. She goes, this doesn't happen. In 15 years of practice, nobody's ever gotten well. Gotten well. This is a time when my mother had bought me a cane to walk around the block. She goes, it doesn't happen. I'm sending you to get your brain examined. Drink all their nuclear medicine. They... Three hours later, they send me through all the MRI machines. 
Results come back and she goes, your dopamine levels are perfect. What did you do? And I said, I had faith and I had a lot of great people praying for me. And she goes, but what'd you do? And I said, I just told you. And she hugged me and she goes, that's incredible. Go back to my neurosurgeon who had put the implants in my brain. He goes, that is awesome. I'm a man of faith and that's incredible. That is so cool. Let's wait to take out the stuff in your brain. I said, all right. I end up waiting two more years. And last summer, the only time I've ever gone in for a, I'm gonna have surgery because I want it, was to take the implants out of my brain and the battery out of my chest. And he goes, this is awesome. He goes, I've never seen it. Not in a situation, not in the way that you had that disease. Have I ever seen anybody recover ever? He goes, I've taken them out, but it's because people couldn't function with the deep brain stimulator in. He goes, but now yours is out and you're perfectly healthy. He goes, God bless you, man. And now I'm running and lifting and walking seven miles a day. And it's just wow. been an incredible life. And I wanna go out and I wanna share that story of faith with people because we've lost our faith and we need some guidance and we need the faith back. Mm -hmm. And if I can share that story, I think people are gonna change. And it's in the book. You can see me as healthy as a horse now before absolutely not looking miserable wreck, still going out and motivating people, but feeling sick on the inside the entire time. And now I'm perfectly healthy and it's incredible. Man, so amazing. I love that, dude. Thank you for sharing that story with me because I'm just getting chills on the back of my neck right now, just as you're saying that. And I'm a believer as well. And you and I have had those, that conversation. And man, I, I totally believe that uh, God just involved himself in, the, in that moment there in your life, man. So cool. One of the things I did this year was I created a vision wall in my office and I've got, you know, lots of quotes and goals posted. And one of the quotes I have on my wall is from your book where you talk about the most important skill to develop is successfully dealing with dream killers and learning to recognize them. What is that? Why is that skill so important and how can people develop that skill? Because dream killers have come in all shapes and forms mm -hmm. and they weave their way in. They can either be a family member someone in a position that's supposed to be there to help you, like my guidance counselor in high school, or even someone we work for, and we're trying to make them look better, but they're trying to tear us down because they don't want us there. Our philosophies are different. Our faith doesn't line up. Whatever the situation is, you keep the dream killers as far away from you as possible because they want to see you fail for one of two reasons. They've either tried something and failed at it, or they're too afraid to try. So if they can drag you down where they are, they feel better about where it is they are. Get those people away from you. And I've had people go, but what if you work with these people? Keep them as far away from you as possible. You only talk to them when you have to, and then you go back to your team of dream makers and get busy and get after it. Yep. Yeah. Now, you, you had said that you're going to be actually doing speaking in front of people again this year soon. And I'm really excited yeah. about that. That's so cool. What, what are you most excited about for the rest of this year? I'm excited to see this country come out of a long period of separation and isolation. 
Mm. I want to see us get back out there and have the social skills to talk to each other in a humane way. And when the masks come off, we can actually see what people look like and we know who we're talking to. We're not just concentrating on the eyes, we're concentrating on the person. Reading body language is incredibly important for human interaction. When I say something, I can tell by how you react if I should keep going or if I should shut down. We need that interaction so we know how to treat people, not on a computer screen, but in person. And that's going to help us immensely. And then we're going to let some of those fears subside. And we're not going to listen to all that noise from dream killers from the outside telling us you got to do this and you got to do that. And if you don't do it, you're not a part of who we are. We can see the body language in person and go, no, I don't want a part of that. Yep. I got my team. My team is who I need. My team is who I'm going to be around. And that's what we need right now. Yep. Yeah. Where, where's the best place for folks to go get this book uh, and then connect with you, follow you on Instagram or follow you on Facebook? Or what's the best place for folks to connect with you at, Jim? Well, JimTheRookieMorris.com. And if you go through me, you get a signed copy. I think that's pretty cool. If you go through Amazon, it's not signed and you have to send it to me. And if you want to do that, I'm going to hide from you because you didn't get it from me. But I recommend go get I'll this make, book right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't make any money going through me, but you do get it signed. And for people that's had an effect on like you and a lot of other people who have commented on it and rated it, I look forward to people commenting and and rating the book. I think we're at like four and a half plus out of five stars right now. And I think it's because I was open and honest and tell people how I really feel. And I'm not pointing at other people. I'm pointing at my mistakes and going, these are the mistakes I've made. Avoid these. <laughs> yep. You know, don't isolate yourself. Get back out there. Get busy. And it's a lot of work. It's going to take work. But we can do this. America's resilient. We'll settle our issues this is an issue i've never had because when you're in a clubhouse you have people from all different kinds of ethnicities and they're your team you can't be successful unless you have chemistry and that chemistry has got to be positive and you have to go out there and this is my team that is not anything i've ever thought about until this past year and everybody's like oh no everybody's a racist You've never been a part of something where everybody's integrated and working for a common goal is all I can say. Don't put everybody in one category, whatever color they are. Don't assume all my best friends are of a certain color of persuasion and it's not white. Go figure. These are the people who I want to be a part of their team because I love what they stand for. I went in and I had a surgery in 2019 and you know who who sent me the most blessed prayer the morning I went in for surgery was Devin Wyman, who played for the Patriots and won a Super Bowl ring with them, blocking for Tom Brady, who's won like a hundred, you know, NFL championships now. Right. Biggest guy I've ever seen in my life in person. And he came to one of the deals in which I received a lifetime achievement award in Fort Worth. 
he was there as were some of my other friends who had played in the NFL. And I walked up to him. This dude could walk through a door and make the door wider. <laughs> and I walked up to him. I whispered, I'm whip your butt. And he just laughed in his deep laugh. He goes, yeah, I know. Great people. Dream maker. Doesn't matter what color you are. The people who make you better, you surround yourself with those people. He's on my team mm. and always will be. Man, so good. Jim, thank you for taking time out of your day and joining me again on the show. People need to go out and buy this book. It is an amazing life-changing book. I love every word of it. Thank you for writing that book. And again, thank you for taking time and, and being an absolute world changer, man. I'm just praying for you and your family and success and, and just blessings over this year, man. Thank you so much again. We're praying for you too, man. Go out there and keep talking to people. Keep putting those people on your show whose stories we need to hear because everybody has a story and they need to shape those stories and they need to be in front of you and we need to share them and you're doing that. Go do it. I appreciate that, Jim. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for watching the show today. I appreciate it. If you could, please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast. The link is down below. That helps us get our message out, get the show out, helps us get ranked out there on the Apple podcast. Also, leave a comment below, man. I'd love to know what part of this show made the most impact on you. I respond to every comment on there. And please share this video, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, please share it out. We want to make sure that we impact as many people as we can with the guests that come on my show and highlight those guests and what they've got going on and they're changing the world. So thank you so much for the time. So appreciate it. Have an awesome day.